0: You're now tuned in to Spooky Club, a podcast dedicated to exploring all things spooky. So sit back and relax if you can as we take a dive into the eerie world of the not-so-normal for your listening pleasure. We hope you stick around. what up witches welcome back to spooky club uh, the second episode in this fantastic podcast series if you're new here and you haven't got a clue what this podcast is then i shall explain my name is stephen and i'm the host so hello each week i'll be taking a spooky-esque topic and diving into it for your listening pleasure as the intro suggests the aim here truthfully is to create an online community of people like myself, who like this kind of thing, then we'll take over the world one show at a time. It's simple. So this is the second episode now and truthfully I am buzzing at this idea and this prospect as I didn't think we'd even get this far. I truthfully nearly had a nervous breakdown recording episode 1, so hearing myself back while editing was a literal nightmare. If you've ever had that experience, where you've had to record yourself and then play it back and edit it, you know exactly what I mean. On that note though, if you haven't heard episode 1, then feel free to go back and listen to it. Um, It's on Spotify, Apple, all those good places. It really is a very brief introduction to the podcast and there's a quick run through of the Salem Witch Trials. It literally is 18 minutes long, so it shouldn't take you too long getting caught up. I have literally been on the toilet longer than 18 minutes sometimes, so you should be completely fine. But for what it's worth, it really felt like it took me 12 years recording that show, so you're very welcome. So this is episode 2 of Spooky Club, and it's one that's pretty close to my icy cold heart. It's not because I'm a vampire or anything, um, but mainly because the author of the novel that we'll be looking at is from Ireland, so it's pretty close to home. Firstly, let me reassure you, that the episode will be a bit longer than 18 minutes, proving that length in fact does actually matter. In it we'll be looking at blood hungry creatures, specifically Count Dracula, the blood sucking nobleman from Transylvania, and not Machine Gun Kelly or Megan Fox, sorry to disappoint, we'll save those two for another day, ideally never. We'll actually be taking a look at the story of Dracula and whether or not elements of the story are real and if Dracula himself is real. So before we start, feel free to subscribe to the show and you'll be notified each week when the episode comes out. The plan as you know from previous episodes is to upload every Friday. You can follow us on Instagram or Twitter using the handle A Spooky Club where you can pick up the conversation. So grab a snack, make a cup of tea pour something a bit stronger if you want to. Feel free to hang upside down like a bat from your ceiling. I don't know what you people get up to, but whatever you do to make you feel comfortable, feel free to do it. (laughs) And without further ado, this is episode 2, Dracula, real or not. Thanks for listening. By now, everybody knows of Bram Stoker's Dracula. For those who are unfamiliar with the story, here's a quick rundown. Published in 1897, the classic fictional novel introduced the now infamous character of Count Dracula, a centuries-old vampire who resides in a castle in Transylvania, Romania. Dracula survives by feasting on the blood of humans and is described as a handsome nobleman. The novel begins with Jonathan Harker, a newly trained English solicitor, travelling to meet his new client, Count Dracula, to discuss Dracula's forthcoming real estate transaction in England. It is Dracula's intention to move to London, England from his native Transylvania. He probably wouldn't be doing that now, truth be told. Have you actually seen the prices of real estate in London? Literally crazy. But I digress. As Harker travels to Count Dracula's castle, he is warned by those familiar with Dracula's story not to venture there, but he proceeds anyway. While residing at Dracula's castle, Harker notices strange occurrences and is eventually attacked by three female vampires, only to be saved by Count Dracula himself. Dracula intends to give Harker to the three female vampires but only after he has learned enough about England and then completes his real estate transaction. Smart. Dracula eventually sets off for the coastal town of Whitby in England on the Russian ship the Demeter with boxes of soil. Meanwhile Harker escapes the confines of the castle and makes his way to Budapest. The novel then details Dracula's arrival in England and his interaction with those around him. His ship runs aground in Whitby and he enters England under the guise of a big black dog. As the dog, he ascends 199 steps to an ancient parish church near Whitby Abbey and soon commences his reign of terror on the local population. The novel quickly turns to Mina Murray, the fiancée of solicitor Jonathan Harker. Mina visits her friend Lucy Westerner, who upon receiving multiple marriage proposals has accepted one and is now engaged. Lucy suffers from bouts of sleepwalking and on one occasion Mina finds that her friend is missing and later discovers her near a graveyard where a shape appears to be hovering over her. It transpires that Count Dracula has been stalking Lucy and Mina soon discovers two red marks on Lucy's neck but thinks nothing of them. Lucy soon falls ill and is eventually seen through a window next to a bat. A worried Mina is unfortunately called away to the aid of her fiancé, Jonathan Harker, who as we know, escaped Dracula's castle and is now in Budapest. Lucy is placed under the care of Dr. Seward and Dr. Van Helsing, who quickly identifies the cause of her illness. After attempting to give Lucy several blood transfusions as her blood has been drained, they place garlic around her room to ward off any vampires. Unfortunately, Lucy's mother removes these and she herself dies from a heart attack after being terrified by a wolf. Lucy then later dies also. Soon newspaper reports claim that an entity, a beautiful lady, has been attacking children in the area. It is soon deduced that Lucy has transformed into a vampire and has to be the source of these attacks. They locate her remains and take the necessary steps to ensure her undead presence no longer causes harm. Both Jonathan and Mina, now married, return to England and inform Doctor Van Helsing of Count Dracula's presence there. The group decide to track down the boxes of soil brought by Dracula to England and destroy them. It is believed that Dracula needs the soil to remain in England. Learning of their plans, Dracula takes measures to stop the group. While the group reside at Dr. Seward's asylum, Dracula communicates to Dr. Seward's patient Renfield, making him enter the asylum. He attacks Mina in secret several times and then drinks her blood. Mina begins to exhibit concerning behaviour, causing Dr. Van Helsing and Dr. Seward to break into her room one night only to find her drinking the blood from Dracula's chest while Jonathan lays unconscious. They then attempt to save Mina before she transforms into a vampire by killing Count Dracula. They quickly locate Dracula's items and render his boxes of earth useless. Dracula returns to Transylvania where he is eventually located in a box of dirt and then killed, saving Mina and putting an end to his reign of terror. So before we get into the question of whether or not Dracula himself is a real person, it's important to look at the facts that we can actually glean from the novel. So what you'll find is a lot of the settings in Dracula are based on real places and some of the events actually happened. And by settings I don't mean Transylvania or Romania because we know they exist and we know that Whitby exists. But certain parts of the book, you know, the, the intricate parts of it actually took place. Before he actually stepped foot in Whitby, Stoker reportedly had various iterations of what would eventually become Count Dracula in his mind. Now you'll need to forgive me for the pronunciation of this next part, um, I'm not German so bear with. But he had devised a character, a vampire type character by the name of Count Vampire um, for a new novel. Now the name Count Vampire doesn't have the same ring to it as Count Dracula evidently but... It was a central uh, vampire type character which would eventually lead on to Count Dracula. But reports suggest that this story was said to be based in Austria and not Transylvania. And if I read correctly, um, it was more of a detective-esque sort of novel as opposed to what would eventually become a horror. Tucker visited the seaside town of Whitby, England in the later part of the 1800s. He specifically visited the subscription library and requested to read a copy of The Accounts of Principalities of Wallachia and Moldavia by William Wilkinson. Again, please forgive me for the pronunciation of that. It took me eight as YouTube and Different videos of how to pronounce it, and apparently that is the Romanian um, pronunciation of the first part of that. So, there we go. Um, it is believed the character's name of Count Dracula was coined um, at that library. So, Stoker came across a footnote by the author of the book that mentioned that the word Dracula in the native language, um, meant Devil. Coupled with the alleged inspiration then from an historical figure that we'll look into just in a, in a second here. Count Dracula was born. A lot of the settings and the events that play out in Dracula in Whitby are based on actual events. So while visiting Whitby in the summer of 1890, some several years before he actually published Dracula, Stoker reportedly spoke with the Royal Coast Guard, who advised him of a ship, now again, you'll have to forgive me for the pronunciation, but the Dimitri of Narva. So this ship had run aground a few years prior at Whitby Harbour. The ship was found to be carrying crates of earth, so this is similar to the story of the Demeter, um, the ship which carried Count Dracula from Romania to Whitby, and which also contained boxes of earth, and which had run aground in Whitby also. So while the ship, now this is the um, Demetri of Narva as opposed to the Demeter, and while the ship was being investigated by a rescue crew, a large black dog was seen bolting from the hull of the ship and then up 199 steps from Tate Sands Beach to the graveyard of St. Mary's Church. You'll the similarities between that story and what eventually took place in Dracula, where Dracula's ship, the Demeter, ran aground in Whitby and he was seen leaving as a big black dog up the same flight of steps. So partly the inspiration to that story was actually a real thing that took place. What I do want to mention though is the big black dog running away element, please take that with a pinch of salt. It's it's consistent with the theme of a Yorkshire myth of a beast known as the Barkhest, which was essentially a big sort of dog-esque um, uh, creature with large teeth and claws. Um, It was an omen of death, so at that time it was consistent with the the narrative that that existed in sort of south of England. But the ship, which was the Demetri of Narva, which would eventually be changed into the name of the Demeter, um, did actually exist. So other locations in the novel, such as the Graveyard um, and the Abbey, also exist. Now they're quite typical of the gothic backdrops of other Victorian style novels though concerning vampires and these locations might have been apparent to Stoker on his visit to Whitby um, and they might have ultimately shaped the setting of the novel itself. On a semi-related sort of note, um, speaking of Whitby, there's actually a distillery there which distills an amazing gin based on the story of Dracula. If you've never had it, I would strongly recommend it. The distillery is called Whitby Distillery. And the special edition of the gin is called the Demeter edition, so you'll note the name, Demeter, which is the name of the ship, which ferry Dracula over to England. The bottle itself contains elements which portray the story of Dracula, and the gin contains plums, which apparently bats love. Um, I get a bottle every year and keep it for Halloween. Hashtag not sponsored, but I wish I was, so if the good people of Whitby Distillery are listening in, chances are they aren't. But if they are, um, your boy's always looking for a, a free bottle of gin, so hit me up. So what of Count Dracula himself? Did he actually exist? So the bloodsucking undead entity that we all know and love as Count Dracula, very likely to have not existed. Sorry to disappoint um, anybody out there that we thinks that he does. Um, but the person that he's based on um, did in fact exist. So there's a bit of debate about where Stoker got his inspiration for Count Dracula from. One of those trains of thought is that he was inspired by the historical character of Vlad the Impaler. So you'll recall that Stoker came across the term Dracula in the book by William Wilkinson in Whitbury Library. So it's believed around about this time that Stoker also came across the story of Vlad the Impaler. So the National Geographic describes Vlad the Impaler as being a brutal, sadistic leader, famous for torturing his foes. By estimates, he is responsible for the deaths of more than 80,000 people in his lifetime and he is famous for impaling his victims. So he was known as Son of the Dragon or Dracula, um, or more commonly Vlad the Impaler. Um, There are rumours, now obviously these, these can't be verified because it's not the 15th century, that while the bodies of men were impaled on wooden stakes, Vlad the Impaler would dip bread into their blood and eat it. So obviously this can't be confirmed, but his practices are regarded as being extremely barbaric and so you can kind of see the link between bloodthirst um, for this person and Count Dracula. Despite being published as a work of fiction, Reports suggest that Bram Stoker claimed that elements of Dracula were based on fact. Again, these reports suggest that the version of Dracula that we all know and love starts about 101 pages into the original version of the story, which was edited after initially being rejected for publication. This was because the publisher at the time thought it would be too risky to publish it under the non-fiction category as London had just witnessed a spate of murders in Whitechapel and the killer, who you know is Jack the Ripper, was still on the loose. The fear of causing public alarm and panic was just too great. While for years these claims were based on rumours alone, a recent rediscovery of the Icelandic version of the novel called Powers of Darkness, which contains the original preface of Dracula, free from the editorial revisions of the UK publisher, appears to verify the claims that Stoker wanted the work to be published as non-fiction. It reportedly reads, The reader of this story will very soon understand how the events outlined in these pages have been gradually drawn together to make a logical whole. Apart from exercising minor details which I consider unnecessary, I have let the people involved relate their experiences in their own way but for obvious reasons I have changed the names of the people and places concerned. In all other respect, I leave the manuscript unaltered, in deference of the wishes of those who consider it their duty to present it before the eyes of the public. I am quite convinced that there is no doubt whatever that the events here described really took place, however unbelievable and incomprehensible they might appear at first sight and I am further convinced that they must always remain to some extent incomprehensible. All the people who have willingly or unwillingly played a part in this remarkable story are known generally and are well respected. Both Jonathan Hawker and his wife and Dr Seward are my friends and have been for many years and I have never doubted that they were telling the truth. So there we go, fiction or not, though 100% certain to be fiction, truthfully, the story of Dracula is a tariffan one and it's it's one that's resonated with spooky lovers for years and years. On the point of Vlad the Impaler, I think I skipped over quite a bit of information and truthfully that was deliberate, um, the information about him is, is quite exhaustive, but for those who want to know a bit more about him, he was the ruler of uh, Wallachia several times until his death in the 1470s. He was the second of four brothers born into the noble family of Vlad II Dracul. He inflicted torture on foreign and domestic enemies so as we noted previously there, he was notorious for impaling his victims and leaving them to die slow and agonising deaths. Apparently some of the poles that he used to impale his enemies on were deliberately rounded so that they wouldn't damage the internal organs of the impaled causing their deaths to take hours and even days, slightly gruesome. Despite many a successful battle, Vlad the Impaler was killed in an ambush as he was on his way to fight the Ottoman Empire. It was Vlad's thirst for blood, though not literally as in the case with Dracula, which apparently inspired Stoker, although this is highly contested. Those who have trailed through Stoker's notes and drafts claim that he made no mention of Vlad the Impaler so truthfully who knows who inspired Dracula. What I did find odd though while researching this was the Icelandic translation of the book and the preface. I'm not entirely sure if the preface was being used by Stoker as a marketing tool to sell his book or whether or not he truly believed that the stories that he was being told by his friends were true but let's be honest. It's extremely unlikely that a blood sucking entity ever existed in the form of Dracula. But again, who knows? An interesting fact about Count Dracula is that he was awarded a Guinness World Record for being the most portrayed literary character in film. So, more than 500 cinema and television films have been produced portraying Stoker's horrifying creature. One of the most iconic performances of course is the late Christopher Lee as Dracula in the 1958 adaptation um, by the legendary movie studio Hammer Films. Dracula is now obviously one of Whitby's biggest tourist attractions and rightfully so. If you ever visit um, you, can go on a, you can go on various Dracula experiences including a visit to Whitby Abbey. You can even go for a walking tour called In Search of Dracula which lets you visit different places featured in the novel. I think personally after Salem it's the place that I want to visit the most on this spooky mad adventure. So what about you? Which spooky place is on your bucket list to visit? I actually do want to know so I can add it to mine. (laughs) As as always feel free to send in suggestions about topics for future episodes including places on your spooky bucket list to visit and see. Um, Again feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Um, Again the handle is a Spooky Club. And that's us for episode uh, 2. I did try to make it a bit longer than 18 minutes but after editing it and taking a few things out it's probably on par with the last week's episode so I think we're looking at about an average of 18 minutes for this podcast every single week so again not too long not too lengthy It's, it's something you can stick on in the background while you're cleaning the house or going to sleep but as always thanks for sticking around and we'll see you next week for episode three thanks for listening